Well, we started a new series last week. Uh, we've, been, we've been trying to remind ourselves of the church we want to be and, and uh, what we want our church to look. And actually, that's not even true because what we want our church to be is meaningless because it's not our church, is it? It belongs to Jesus Christ. Uh, it, if it, actually, if we designed a church the way that we would like, it would be uh, more damage than it would do good because it would be about us. What, so what we've actually been trying to do is remind ourselves of what Jesus Christ asks us to do as Christians, of what his body is supposed to do, of, of the mission that we join him in. And so we've been trying to remind ourselves of that, and we've done that in a couple ways. We went back a couple months ago, started a series of talking about who we wanted to be in ministry to, and we, what we talked about over and over was that we're called to love anyone and everyone, that we're not to make judgments, that we're not to, to segregate, that we're not supposed to restrict or limit. We are supposed to be ones that lead to Christ, not get in the way of Christ. And so we, the, the who was anyone and everyone, and, and last week we changed our focus to uh, from from who we minister to, to how we minister. And last week, we, we started the series of that we're willing to do anything and everything to demonstrate God's love to, to people. And what we opened with last week, which was sort of the foundation for it, was the understanding that anything and everything is what Jesus did for us. That Jesus is the model for us of how we're supposed to do ministry. That as we read of him in the Gospels, as we read about how he conducted his life, it's a pattern for who we are supposed to be. Jesus is the potential in us. Jesus lived the life that we're called to. He, he gave us the demonstration of, of what we can become when we give our lives to God. When we fully submit ourselves, to, he's the, the demonstration of what we can be. And so that's the model that we shoot through. And what we talked about last week is... Uh, that when it comes to how far we should be willing to, to go in, in our ministry, in our, in our efforts to love other people, that we don't want any barriers to get in the way. And, and Jesus demonstrated in that then that, that the greatest barrier ever was the barrier between man and God because of sin, an unfixable uh, situation by human standards. And what Jesus did by his giving of his life and death on the cross obliterated that barrier, tore it down forever so that anyone and everyone might be able to come to the throne room of, of God, might have access, might be willing to receive his grace and mercy and love. That he did anything and everything, including the sacrifice of his life, to open that door for us. That's the basis on what we're building on this morning. We, we actually have four things that we're listing on this, anything and everything. We, we, we want to have a church. We want to do our ministry. We want to be a church. We want to be a people who, do, who have no barriers, that we don't construct them ourselves and we don't allow them to exist between one another. This morning, we're going to talk about having no fear, that we don't want to operate out of fear. We want to operate out of faith. Next week, we'll get into no limits, and then we'll talk about no excuses. Uh, those are the four things we're talking about uh, this morning. But as we, as we try to talk, uh, picture who we can be as a church, and we say we want to do anything and everything, we look at the life of Jesus Christ, there's a word that if you were going to sum up Jesus Christ, there's actually 
two favorites that I would say. Number one, you wouldn't go wrong if you were going to say that Jesus' life could be summed up by the word love. Because love is certainly what he was about. Love for God, his willingness to follow him, his willingness to listen to him, his willingness to submit to him, his willingness to to reach out to other people. Certainly love is a way that you could describe the life of Jesus Christ. There's another word, though, that I think sums that up. It works in concert with that. And we don't like it in our culture. We don't like to talk about it in church. But that word is sacrifice. Sacrifice. When you look at Jesus, you see sacrifice. You see that he sacrificed his will for God's. That he sacrificed his life for us. He sacrificed his position, his, his wealth, his power. He sacrificed that all for the life of God. And, and actually, it makes sense those go together because if you love someone, if you have a child, if you have a, a spouse, you know that love costs, doesn't it? Love costs. It requires sacrifice. If you're not willing to sacrifice for your love, your love's not going to go very far. Love costs. And that, that is something that we haven't talked enough about in the church. We, we like talking about the free love of God, and, and it is free. It costs us nothing. It costs Christ everything. The initial acceptance doesn't, but if we are going to connect with him, it costs us everything. What Jesus said, if you want to be my follower, you have to deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me daily. You need to count the cost before you're willing to do that. It does cost to be a Christian. It does cost to share the love of God with others. It costs. The fortunate thing is, in the country we live in, the cost is negligible. There are places around where the cost is your life. When you leave this place, there's no one going to have a gun to your head because you came to church this morning. So the cost is negative, but it does cost nonetheless. So we're going we're gonna to talk about this morning. And uh, one, as, we, as we talk about the Christian life, as we talk about focusing in on it, one of the things that comes up is about being afraid. I think being afraid is, is something that is really big in, in spiritual life. Uh, I think there's so many times that we get derailed in our spiritual growth because of fear. We don't call it that. We have other rationalizations for it. But when it comes down to it, it's fear. And just like the kids this morning, you know, they have their, their fears. Uh, there's ways that you can work through them. You know, if you're afraid of the dark, you're going to have to come up with a plan because it gets dark every night, right? You, you got to deal with it. When we, were in, uh, when we went to seminary, uh, Haley, our youngest daughter, she was... Uh, preschool at that time and we moved into seminary housing which was basically a big closet with a bathroom and and the girls had a bunk bed and the and we had a a bedroom and they had those heat registers in there that go across the bottom of the floor and so when you put the bed up next to the wall it wouldn't go all the way to the wall and so in their bunk bed between the wall and the bunk bed was the space and I say it like that because the space freaked Haley out she would not sleep in the room because of the space. I'm not sure what happened, but the, apparently at night there was things that came out of the space that we couldn't see. 
And she would end up in our bed in bed. And we tried everything. We'd go in, we'd turn on the lights, you know, lay down on the bed with her, stick her hand down there. Oh, let's see, look, the space is fine. The space is, no, I am not sleeping by the space. You know, how many times do we have fears like that in our, you know, we grow up and, and, and maybe we don't have fear of the space or the unknown that we talk about, but really, do we really grow up that much? Because my observation is adults are more afraid than kids of the unknown. That's, that's why we live such miserable lives. Because you would rather stick with your miserable life that you know than risk trying something new that might be a change. You, you would rather... You would rather suffer through the hell you're in because it's comfortable, then risk changing something because it might be different. While we're talking about different, let me give you an announcement. Uh, starting the first Sunday of May, we're going to move to two services. It's not going to affect you. You guys get to pretty much stay the same time. But we'll have services at 9.30 and 11, okay? 9.30 and 11, starting May, first week of May. I think it's May 3rd. First week of May, okay, you'll, we'll hear, you're going to hear this ad nauseum because somebody will forget, but start in May. And, you know, as we change that, oh my gosh, do you think there's maybe some fear about that? Number one, fear that I'm going to have to get up earlier. If I, if I come to the 10 o'clock, I'm either going to have to go later or I'm going to have to go earlier. But... I just want to, you don't need to fear that change. It's going to be a good thing for our church, okay? You don't have to be afraid of that. But how many times in our life do we operate out of fear? Fear. We are afraid of life. We're afraid of change. We're afraid of the unknown. We don't like not being able to control things. We don't like not knowing what's going to come next. And you know what? As you look back, I bet you, just like me, you have some regrets. You have some situations that you look back on and you say, man, I wish I would have been willing to try something outside the box. How many times do we limit our experience? Do we limit our growth? Do we limit our success? Do we limit our lives? Because we're afraid. I've told each of the services, I wish I could go back to high school having this knowledge. I do. I, I do. And college. Those of you, you guys, don't worry about your grades. You're not even listening to me, so I won't talk to you. But don't worry about your grades. Don't worry about the, what your teachers tell you. Don't worry about what your, your parents tell you. The life is, your life is open to you at that point. It doesn't matter if you've failed every class up to high. If you get a diploma, you've got a future out there. And you can write that future. You can overcome any of that. I wish I would have known that. I got out of high school putting myself in a box this big. And afraid to try anything else because... I was afraid I'd fail, right? And how many times do we do that with our lives? We limit ourselves because we only want to do what we can see and what we know we're going to succeed at and what we know we can work out a plan for. And all the time we're limiting ourselves. We're putting ourselves in a box and we're not having the experience of life that God wants us to have. It's the same with our spiritual life. 
Let me let you in on a secret. God wants you to grow as a Christian. He wants you to grow in His knowledge of you. He wants you to grow in, in His relationship, in your trust of Him. He wants you to grow. And so the way He gets us to grow, we don't like this, but it's not by being comfortable. The only thing that grows when you're comfortable is your waistline. But if you want to grow your faith, you have to risk new things. And that's the way God grows us. He puts us in situations where we have to trust Him. And this is a problem if we fear the unknown because this, this being that we're being asked to put our trust in, our faith in, to give everything to, to sacrifice everything for, ultimately we can't see Him, can we? So if we can't get past the unknown, if we can't get past what we can't hold and see and touch and feel and hold and control, we're going nowhere spiritually. And I actually think that's the story of the American Christian church. We only like what we can see happening. We only, we only do the things that we know are going to work. We only do the things that, that we, we know how it's going to come out. And in doing that, we limit God to the point where we, we miss out on the opportunity for Him to do His amazing work. Over and over and over again, if you look at God, the things he did had nothing to do with men's plans. They, he blew men's plans out of the water. He always went above and beyond what people could even come up with in their brains. He did amazing things. And he wants to do that in your life. He wants to do that in my life. But we won't let him because we're so afraid of giving up control. My question for you this morning is, do you live your life based on fear or do you live your life based on faith? Do you allow decisions to be made, fear-based decisions or faith-based decisions? And I think this has application in several areas. Number one, as an individual person, this has application, okay? You're going to be able to take what we talk about and apply it to your personal needs. It applies to us corporately as a church, how, how are we doing things as, as a fear-based church or a faith-based church? You can use it in your family. You can use it in your job. Whatever it is, we always have a decision. Are we going to go with faith or fear? And I'm going to share a scripture with you uh, in which Jesus gives the disciples a choice between faith or fear, and we'll see how it worked out. Okay, It's in uh, John chapter 11. Gospel of John chapter 11. This is a story you've probably heard different times. It's about the death of Lazarus. And usually you'd be talking about the death of Lazarus and his resurrection because that's the big part of this story. Uh, but I want to pull something out leading into that story, okay? Uh, just so you know, Lazarus was one of Jesus' friends. Mary and Martha were his sisters. He got ill. Jesus goes to see him. The rest of the story that we're not going to get to this morning is that Jesus goes in and raises Lazarus from the dead. One of the best biggest miracles he did, one of the most powerful miracles he did, okay? But this is the lead-in to that. Uh, chapter 11, verse 1, a man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. This is the Mary who later poured expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was sick, so two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus' sickness isn't going to end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God so that this, 
Son of God will receive glory from this. So although Jesus loved Mary and Martha and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. And finally he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. But the disciples objected, Rabbi, it was only a few days ago we were there and the people in Judea sentenced you to death and tried to kill you by stoning you. Are, are you serious? We're going to go there again? Jesus replied, there are 12 hours of daylight every day. During the day, people can walk safely. They can see because they have light in this world, but at night there's dangerous stumbling because they have no light. Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going to go wake him up now. The disciples said, Lord, if he's sleeping, he'll, he's going to get better. They thought Jesus meant Lazarus was simply sleeping, but Jesus meant Lazarus had died. So he told him plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sakes, I'm glad he wasn't there. I wasn't there. For now, you're going to really believe. Now I'm going to see him. And Thomas, nicknamed the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let's go too, and if necessary, we'll die with Jesus. This is the word of the Lord for us this morning. Thanks be to God. What I want to pull out in this, this story is, is the decision they had to make. And, and we sort of need to dig in a little bit to, to get the, the depth of the decision. This is Jesus doing ministry. Uh, this is a friendship he has. This is not only professional. This was not just people in his church. This was for personal friends. Mary, Marzareth, Mary Martha and, Mary Martha and Lazarus. Oh, were, were his personal close friends, okay? There was, there was a deepness to their relationship, okay? So this is a personal thing, not just a, a, a professional thing. He, he has this relationship. He gets word, hey, your friend's about to, to go. You need to get there, Okay? He knows that, keep in mind, Jesus knows there's a plan. He, he has faith in God because he's always faith-based. That's why we program ourselves on him, not, uh, not the other characters in the story. He knows there's a plan. He, and when it gets to be the right time, he says, hey, we're going. We're going to Judea. Let's go. I need to go see my friends. And the disciples say, hey, wait a minute. You're not going back to Judea, are you? It's a dangerous place. Now, we, we don't pick up on this a lot of times, but there was a big opposition to who Jesus was. It grew throughout his ministry. At first, there was a big interest. There, there was crowds that would flock to him, but, but as he started to define who he was and his beliefs, and he took his shots at the religious structure of the day and his religious, he developed a lot of enemies. And people didn't always like what he had to say because he talked a lot about sacrifice. He talked a lot about cost of, of love. He talked a lot about, about the, the evil within our heart, and people didn't like that. And in fact, sometimes it got so personal with people and so hateful that they actually went after him like, we're going to kill you. And that's what had happened pre previously in Judea. They had fled for their lives, literally, being run out of town because of Jesus' preaching. Now he's got to go back through Judea to get to Lazarus, and he's saying, let's go. I got to go. And what did the disciples say? Are you kidding me? Do you not understand? I'm not risking my life to go see Lazarus. He's almost dead anyway. What do you want me to do? Why do, why do 12 of us have to die for one? Are you serious? You expect me to put myself in that situation is basically what they're saying. 
And I got to ask you the question because I think this is a question we all face every day. I will guarantee you that God is going to call you to do something that makes no sense to you. I'm going to guarantee you that at some point in your life, if you're pursuing him, he's going to put you in a situation that doesn't make sense or you're uncomfortable with or requires a sacrifice or, or danger on your part. At some point, he's going to put that call on your life. And I'll guarantee you, you're going to wrestle with the question, are you kidding me? We see it all the time. I'll leave your personal stuff alone. Let's talk about church life. Oh, you do it in churches all the time. Are you kidding me? We're going we're gonna to have what kind of budget? You want to do what kind of program? You want to hire what kind of staff? You want to... I mean, that, churches are notorious for this. But you want to know something about this church? It's, it's different. We work on it, we struggle on it, but one of the things I've been proud about in this church is from day one, our leadership has been willing to make the tough choice. They've been willing to say, you know what? We're not going to operate out of fear, we're going to operate out of faith. Over and over and over, they've demonstrated that. You may not know the whole story, but we started in Briarcliff, a little community center. That cost 25 bucks. That's pretty easy to do, you know. We can figure out where 25 bucks is going. Even if the church folds, I can still show up on Sunday and, and fork over the 25 bucks. We get to the point where there's 35 people meeting. Woo. We're, we're going to move over to Resort Ranch. Only problem is it costs 500 bucks a week. Well, that's, that's no longer going to be coming from me if we show up. Are we going to move over there? Would have been, you know, it would have been easier to say, that doesn't make sense. 35 people, that's silly. Especially the next step didn't make sense. We're going to launch at Easter with, with 70 people, and it's $900 for the building we needed for that. It's $900 a week for three hours. $900 a week. They were willing to go with it. Over and over and over, our leaders, even this week, we just had a discussion this week about uh, some things we're, we're needing to do that don't necessarily make sense, but... They say, hey, you know what? We want to be in line with Jesus. We want to be in line with Jesus. That's what happened with, with this story. The disciples are saying, hey, no, we're, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? And Jesus said, no, I, I, I'm going. You know how you have your little things about all the disciples? You know, if I tell you, Peter, what comes to your mind? walking on water, sticking his foot in the mouth, you know, denying Christ three times. You know, John, uh, John the beloved, John the, the son of thunder, you know, uh, we've Matthew, tax collector, Luke, doctor. If I say Thomas, the disciple, what comes out of your mouth? Doubter. That guy got screwed, man. Because we, we labeled him as a doubter, but in this story, Thomas is the courageous one. The rest of the disciples are going, no way, we're not going. And Thomas finally stands up and he says, if Jesus is going, so am I. And if it requires me to die, I die. Thomas is the one that gives us the example of courage, of faith, of trust, of faith-based decision-making rather than fear-based decision-making. He says, you know what? If Jesus said it's good, I, it's good with me. I'm going. And I can't see the future, and it may cost me my life. And if it does, 
I'm still with Jesus. This is, this is a pattern of, this is an example. The reason I pulled this out is because this is an example of how we're supposed to operate within, within our trust of God. And I wanted the most extreme example I could because this was actually, they were putting their lives on the line. This wasn't, are we going to hire another staff member? This wasn't, you know, am I going to buy a new car? It wasn't anything like that. This was a big ticket item, their life. And ultimately, Thomas said, if it's what God's asking me to do, it's what I want to do. And I need to talk about that for just a minute. Before we rush to, uh, I want you to be clear about something. One, as we decide things as a church and as you decide things as people, you don't just rush to a decision. It's not just about what we want. You want to make sure that it's what God's calling you to do. And that's no easy process. It doesn't happen by just sitting around coming up with an idea. It happens by praying. It happens by having people pray together. It happens by having people share their their views, sometimes argue their views, disagree about their views. It comes from accountability. It comes from counseling of of trusted friends. It comes through uh, trial and error. And then finally, when you get that direction of we really believe this is what God's asking us to do, that's when you say, okay, if I die, I die. Don't just come up with some idea and say, if I die, well, then you're going to die, okay? <laughs> Make sure you're following God, not your own will, is what I'm trying to say. But once you know, once you hear that call, once you know that it's from God, once you know that he's urging you into some, are you going to respond in fear or faith? Fear? Or faith, are you going to allow your, your experience to be limited by what you can hold and touch? Are you going to open your life to a God who, who is constantly blowing the lid off the block, the box? Who's constantly doing more than we can ask or imagine? Who's constantly exceeding our expectations? Who sees us not as who we are, but who we can be? He's the one that authored our lives. He's the one who put us together as he looks at us, he's not limited by our experience and our, our weaknesses and stuff. No, he, he's the one that has the owner's man. He knows what we can be through him. He doesn't put the limits on us that he put, we put on ourselves. So are you going to live a life of fear or, or faith? Just to get down to a real personal level. Okay, I know. If you're human in this room this morning, you have something you're wrestling with. And for some of you, it's, it, it's at a crisis point right now. You're, you're at a place with your finances or because of your job or because of, of maybe the lack of a job where it's, it's coming down the, the pipe and it's not, you don't have time to wait for that, that perfect clarity that I was just talking about. You got to make a decision now. And how are you going to know that this God is going to trust you? How, how can you know? You've got some serious issues. Others of you have some relationship problems going on that you can't figure out. Do I stay or do I go? And you don't know what to do. I, I realize that we have real life problems and, and I do not want you to hear that I'm giving you preacher speak that is just a band-aid on a, on a gaping wound of a blood-gushing wound trying to make it uh, go away that, oh yeah, everything will be... No, this, this is what I believe down to the depths of my soul. 
is that God is able to do all things, that he can make a difference. Even in your life. It may not look like what, it, what you want it to. He may have a plan that's a little different from yours. But this God will not let you down. And you know what the Scriptures tell us? The Scriptures are full of counseling and promises that we don't have to be afraid. There's a good fear and there's a bad fear, okay? There's, good, there's a good fear and there's bad fear. Fear for survival's sake is good. And the best example I have of that, I've gotten, I don't know if all of you know who Barry Schneider is, but Carly's dad, Barry Schneider, he's about 12 foot 8, uh, real gangly guy like this. I've gone skiing with him a couple times. And within normal people, there's like this little trigger that when you get in a dangerous situation, says, slow down or you may die. Barry doesn't have that. You, know, you go skiing with him, he just points the skis downhill and, and he looks like Gumby coming down the hill and, and somehow he hasn't died yet. I, within me, there's a little trigger that if I start getting in the air or out of control, it goes, and I immediately slow down. And stuff. That's a good normal fear, okay? Barry's abnormal. He doesn't have that normal fear. That's a good fear. The bad fear that we're talking about is this, this us controlling, us being afraid to move into new, us being afraid to experience, us being afraid to risk, us being unwilling to trust a God who has shown himself to be nothing but trustworthy. Fear in Christianity doesn't exist. In fact, what the, the Scriptures say is true love casts out fear. In Romans chapter 8, the Scriptures tell us that you have not been given a spirit of fear. That's, that's what Satan gives us. Fear comes from Satan. You've not been given a spirit of fear. You've been given a spirit of adoption, of acceptance, of assurance. That the Spirit of God wants you to know that He loves you, that you're His, that He's never going to leave you or forsake you. It goes on to say at the end of chapter 8, of Romans chapter 8, that there is absolutely nothing that will ever separate you from his love. He is never going to, to miss a day in your life. He's never going to miss an important event. He will always be there. He is your rock. He is your strength. He's your anchor. He's your foundation. Over and over and over in the scripture, there's this assurance that you can trust in God. Remember the 23rd Psalm? Yea, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will, I will fear no evil. Fear is not a part of the Christian life. Because, you want to know why? Here's why. You find this in 1 Corinthians 15. You find it in other places throughout. If God's on our side, who can be against us? It's in, in Romans 8 as well. If God is on our side, if he's who we say he is, if he's on our side, what are we afraid of? Who's got something bigger than that? And what's the biggest thing that somebody can do to you? Death. That's the biggest consequence we could suffer, death. And you know what? Read 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Where, O death, is thy victory? Where, death, is your sting? The power of death has been swallowed up in the victory that Christ had over death. He kicked death's butt on the cross. And we have nothing to fear. You know what basically Thomas was saying? You know what? They can kill me, but they ain't killing me. 
I, I, you can kill me. You can shoot me. You can take my life, but you ain't taking anything that means anything because God holds that. Really, what are we afraid of? That's why fear and Christianity don't go. Because if God is for us, who can be against us? There is absolutely nothing we need to fear. And again, I don't want you to think this is a preacher talk. This is real. This is real. You talk to soldiers that were uh, caught in crossfire. I've talked to many of them who have told me how God sustained them through that. People in the hospital with cancer that know that they can face that without fear, can face that with open arms, they can face their future of, of not the life they wanted, but the life they have with a joy and a passion and a hope because God is able to overcome their fear. And I know whatever the problem you have, whatever the worry you have, even though it seems like it's out of control, even though it seems like there's not going to be an answer that makes sense, I can... I know that God's got an a, a answer for it. I wish I could tell you all what the answers are. I don't have that. I, don't, I can't even figure that out for my own life a lot of times. But I know that God has one. What are we afraid of? When it comes down to it, it's, it's a choice. Fear or faith? Fear or faith? Why don't you bow with me? Let's pray. Lord, all of us struggle with this. This is something we all wrestle with over and over and over again. Because when it comes down to it, we like to control. We like to be in charge. We like to know where we're heading. God, by doing that, we, we don't show the faith in you that we need to. We don't give you the opportunity to break in and do something amazing. We don't give you the opportunity to, to lead us to something better. And we get trapped where we were instead of where we could be. I just want to lift each one of us up this morning. I, for all of us, would you, number one, pour out that assurance to your spirit that we belong to you, that you're with us, that you'll never leave us, that you'll always be with us that we can count on you, that we can trust on you. Will you pour out that assurance through your spirit? And Lord, will you, will you take that assurance and make it faith? And will you take that faith and will you grow it and will you stretch it and will you grow it and stretch it and mold it? And God, we want to be made into your image. And we know it costs because love costs everything but we're willing to pay that price. We pray this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.